flow. It's coming your way live. Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino. We're going to spend the next uh, three hours with you here at the L House, getting you ready for the Monday night game. What a game it's going to be. Your undefeated Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Washington Commanders. We've got lots of prizes. We're going to be ready for the Eagles fan club today. They're coming out in full force. We're going to be giving away family four-packs of tickets to the circus. That's right. We've got tickets to the Cardin International Circus Spectacular that's going to be happening this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday out at the El Paso County Coliseum. These are two adults, two kids, a $60 value per four-pack. We're giving away three of them here today to uh, let you enjoy the circus. We've also got Rhino's four-packs. That's right, El Paso Rhino's four-packs. We're going to give away three of those. And then, if that's not enough, how about uh, golf at Horizon Golf Conference Center? You're going to get a card and two green fees. That's a $70 value. That's going to be given away tonight. And, oh, yes, we also have our normal prize package from our great friends at All That Music and Video located at the Fountains of Farah just uh, below the uh, Best Buy. The newly expanded locations at the Fountains. We've got a couple of DVDs for the Washington uh, Commanders uh, 82 team, formerly known as the Redskins, along with a Super Bowl champion uh, Eagles DVD. We've got an Eagles keychain bottle opener. We've got an Eagles insulated lunch bag. And we also have the DVD of the Gridiron Gang, the story of uh, the uh, football with the rock. This is um, based on the true story. The Gridiron Gang. Um, which was about a group of teenage delinquents, Adrian. Teenage delinquents given a second chance to redeem themselves by playing football. How about that? I love that movie, Steve. Great movie. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Gridiron King, so I, I like this one. Great prize right there. Give that away as well from our friends at All That Music and Video. They're getting ready for a Black Friday, folks, and you can get ready too. In fact, you can start shopping now and not have to wait until Black Friday to get your uh, favorite gift for anyone, whether it's uh, DVDs, vinyl, movies, posters, so many unique items they have, the Pop Funko figures and uh, record players, uh, a lot of great stuff. It's all happening at All That Music and Video. So, yes, that's all going to be given away at halftime today. Of the Eagles and the Commanders. Excited about that. Just like I'm excited about starting off the show with all of you with our uh, telephones, which, again, open for business, 505-6009. That's 505-6009. You can get into the program today and uh, talk about uh, the Cowboys, Eagles, uh, sorry, the Cowboys and uh, the Packers. Talk about the Eagles game tonight, the NFL, what a win it was for the Vikings in Buffalo. How about the UTEP win? on Saturday over New Mexico State. Uh, Adrian, you know, we talked about that game a lot before uh, before last weekend show. I thought the Miners would end up winning that game just because I saw enough from Texas to think that New Mexico State's going to have a very difficult time uh, playing defense or uh, really scoring against UTEP's defense. Very difficult, and they did. They struggled, uh, and the Miners they came ready to play. I thought the first 20 minutes was outstanding. The energy was unbelievable. I didn't think the second 20 was quite as intense as the first 20, but the Miners built up a lead, and they never relinquished it. And as I'm sure we'll play on our uh, Miner talk 
um, when we when we get a chance to uh, you know give you a, a little sampling of what Minor Talk was like Saturday night, uh, you'll you'll understand from our uh, listeners and our fans that a lot of miners are uh, very excited about this win on Saturday in the Battle of I ten. Yeah, a lot of mi- minor fans were thrilled after this one, Steve, and rightfully so. I mean, UTEP has been such a, a bad uh, historic team when it came to their rival uh, rivalry matchup against NMSU in recent years. I mean, uh, you, you wrote about this last week. You talked about how UTEP has struggled in this rivalry. Series going into Saturday's game, they had lost third. Uh, I think it was like ten or eleven of their last thirteen matchups, and that's tough, right there. When you're talking about a rivalry series, how much of a rivalry is it if uh, the other team actually doesn't win? So what we saw is a new iteration of this rivalry series on Saturday. Greg Heyer versus Joe Golding. I do not expect the Aggies to be the same squad when UTEP plays them again on November 30th. And if this is a trilogy year, if we end up seeing uh, both these teams play three times possible in the Sun Bowl Invitational. I mean, that would be awesome. I, I really like that Aggie squad. I love what we saw from Xavier Pinson uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, just some of the other guys like Deshondre Washington. But uh, UTEP was a better team on Saturday. They came in confident. They came into the week confident, and they uh, exited that week with a big victory. Now you're right, 100%. That's the best way to put it. Um, I think minor fans that were there were excited. Uh, I know we, you know, had different vantage points, Adrian, but I'm just going to tell you, from where I was sitting, I thought there were a ton of Aggie fans that made that trip. I counted four sections in the Haskins Center that were predominantly uh, Crimson, um, New Mexico State fans. So I thought they showed up in huge numbers for that for that basketball game. Uh, but they didn't have a ton to cheer about because once the Miners got that lead, they never really relinquished it. So I thought, you know, UTEP played... Uh, exactly the kind of game I expected. High intensity, lots of defense. The Aggies will probably not experience defense like that the rest of the year. Um, and uh, although maybe Tarleton State will be the closest thing to replicating that because it's Gillespie. But, you know, the Miners just came ready to play. And, yes, they lost 12 in their last 13, but they have size, they have depth, and I think that not having to rely on one guy, but instead having so many different people step up, that is making a huge difference in what you're going to see from this team early on. I also think that, I mean, like, uh, we had some callers talk about this last, uh, you know, on Saturday, but UTEP has a lot of, and even last week against Texas, but UTEP has a lot more depth than I think a lot of people are realizing. I mean, having the ability, there's a luxury of, hey, let's throw 10, 11 guys out there and see what they can do, but this team has a totally different philosophy behind that. It's like, hey, let's throw 10 or 11 guys out there and let's win. I, I they These guys can roll deep with their bench. Uh, the perfect example is Derek Hamm. Hamilton. I mean, Zarek Onyema goes out in the first half with early foul trouble. Kevin Kalu experiences an injury in the first half, and he comes back in the second half. But during that time, instead of having to throw Onyema back in, they they threw in Derek Hamilton, and they felt fine mm-hmm. by doing it. He scored four points in four minutes, and he looked fine. I mean, he's not going to get extended minutes when the season's closing, I, I, I would assume, but that's fine right now. If you have a serviceable big to help you in, in those moments, that's exactly what you need when you're building a program like UTEP is doing right now. 
Do you think Hamilton plays enough to burn the red shirt this year, or do you think that they end up still redshirting him? That's a great question right there. I feel like if I'm committed to the development of the bigs, I might redshirt him regardless. Uh, and then if, if they feel like they can continue to play him now and they use him now, well, then use him. Don't don't worry about the red shirt. I would also think that you can never take a year for granted in terms of, hey, what, what if he has different plans after this year? The transfer portal True. is what it is, and you can never take any of these players and, and what their future is with this program – uh, lightly if you're a coach. I don't think they redshirt him, and I'm going to tell you why. Given the style they play, with that intense, especially physical defensive play, I think they're going to find themselves in foul trouble on a regular basis, and you're going to need Hamilton to come in and spell the post guys because if you redshirt him, then you're putting yourself in a position that once you lose Solomon and Z and Frazier, you got nobody else behind them. So I think that what I've seen early on in the Texas game and then again on Saturday night, you got to keep Hamilton because you need to make sure that you've got enough depth down to the low blocks where if guys do get into foul trouble, you can bring the big man in. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't even have to be the forward spot, which I, I agree completely what you're saying right there, and I, I think that that's the perfect case as to bringing Hamilton uh, along for the entire season, not just for uh, these early season games and, and then redshirt him. I think you, you have him play extended minutes throughout the – or just minutes throughout the year in relief. Now, I think the perfect example is the backcourt because if you look at the UTEP backcourt, you might think, wow, it's it's loaded. There's, de- there's depth everywhere. Well, Carlos Lemus might be that last guy among the rotation, but I I would still want him out there. I looked at how he was playing defense this past Saturday, and I was impressed. And then he hit a three-pointer as well. Yep. Like, how, how can you not play that guy even even just uh, small minutes, like five to six minutes a game, because he provides a spark off the bench right there? We're going to give you the minor talk mashup. We're going to give out awards. We got our, uh, we, we've got first off our uh, wind supply of El Paso, hot hand of the game. We've got our uh, Keats Southwest player of the game. We'll do all that, and we'll also uh, hear from my uh, from UTEP Zay, who's uh, shown up and going to be joining us like he does each and every Monday. But first, let's go to Richard from the West Side. He'll kick it off talking about a big Texas football showdown that also took place uh, Saturday evening. Richard, what's going on, man? How are you? Steve, how are you? Um, I'll be honest, Richard. Doing okay. Not bad. Not bad. Um. Would it be better if uh, the Longhorns beat uh, the Horn Frogs? Absolutely. Uh, it was a huge weekend for Sark. I did not know this, Richard, until uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine Saturday night. But what he told me was interesting. He said that Saturday night, Texas had on campus at the game 25 four- and five-star recruits uh, at the game on campus for the 2023 and 2024 campaign. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a draw, and hopefully they're able to overlook what they saw that day. But, see, before you even get into Texas football or even the Cowboys, which I watch, I don't even want to call myself a fan, can I ask you a question? What is the the definition of insanity? The definition of insanity? Yeah, that we've heard. And I'll help you out. It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. Am I correct? Fair enough. Doesn't that sound like the Cowboys, the Miners, and the Longhorns? I mean, I'm going to roll them up. They're all the same. Every year, Cowboys, Longhorns, I'm included in two of those groups. And Miner fans, this is our year. This is the year we change it. But you really don't change anything. Now, with Sark, I have a little bit more hope. 
because he's not really part of the system. And hopefully with his recruiting class, especially with Archie Manning coming or Archie Manning Jr. coming in and a bunch of the his buddies from high school coming in, I'm hoping for a change. And I'm kind of embarrassed to say that. But as a Cowboys fan, Jerry Jones built an amazing business. He's a billionaire. He's took it he's made the Cowboys the most valuable sports franchise. Okay. But ever since he's been GM coach, they haven't won anything. What are we on? Year 27, 26? It's been a while. And it's the same That's thing. Sure. Yep. So when I, my point, sorry, not I mean to cut you off, is that even with UTIP, every year, Steve, I, Steve, I've listened to you since back in the day when you're on with Robert Garcia and John Tyser. That's how long I listened to you, Steve. Every year since then was, we got Gary Nord. We got so-and-so. We got so-and-so. This is our, I remember that UTIP commercial with the dogs, remember, where people thought it was violent? That's how far back I go. <laughs> but it's the same outcome every year. It's like at one yep. point we say, you know what? And I'm not going to take up more of your time, but at some point we just need to like undo and rebuild. Like literally rebuild. I don't know. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Unlike the Cowboys and unlike uh, the Longhorns, the Miners haven't been consistently good in so long that it's just that uh, that you know glimmer of hope that UTEP fans are kind of holding on to that the program can finally turn around one way or another. The Cowboys have had dynasties. The Cowboys are still known as America's team. The Longhorns have always been the most relevant college football team in the state of Texas, even though A&M and now this year TCU will probably have something to say about that. But, you know, the Longhorns have uh, had teams that have won national titles, even in the last 30 years. So the difference to me between UTEP and the other two examples you've, you've given us is that even though Texas and the Dallas Cowboys are in long dry spells, they've done it. The Miners haven't really been relevant in football for longer than two years since the 60s. And, and, and I'll leave you with this last point. I agree with you. But isn't it amazing? Like, how do, how do you get kids to go play ball at Lubbock? How do you get kids to go play ball at Boise? Steve, I had the privilege. Let me say the privilege. I got to go watch. Listen to this, El Paso. I got to go watch the Idaho Vandals in their indoor football stadium. I know. That was an amazing experience. It's like, why can't we have this at UTEP, which is a bigger, more metropolitan city than where the Idaho Vandals play? Anyway, hey man, I, I, I'm, 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 I appreciate you taking my call. I'm not going to talk to you next week or Appreciate- have a happy holidays. Appreciate you getting in, Richard. Thanks for the call. Um, and and listen, it's he brings up valid points. He really does. Cowboys, oh, they build you up. They build you up. And realize this: they have no business losing yesterday's game. None. I mean, you blew a two touchdown lead. You don't kick a field goal in overtime when clearly you, you took points off the board. Your coach is an idiot, uh, and, and he cost you yesterday. I mean, as, as good as Mike McCarthy's been this year in Dallas, Adrian, last night's the kind of game that will drive Dallas Cowboy fans crazy. They won't get sleep after what happened yesterday. Yeah, and I, you know what, Steve? I've never been the one to criticize Dak Prescott. I, I usually stand by him, and I think that he's a good quarterback objectively. I'm not a Cowboy fan whatsoever. But I think after yesterday's game, I, I think you have to have this understanding that when it comes to late-game situations, when it comes to either overtime or just you know Dak having the ball late in the game, 
he might not be able to you might not be able to trust him like you would another quarterback like maybe a Patrick Mahomes or you know another quarterback who's just going to move your team down the field to actually score a score a touchdown or score a field goal to yep. win you a game but yeah the coach didn't do him any any justice in that win in that game and uh for the Cowboys I, I think you got to look at their next couple games their schedule it's getting tougher for the Cowboys I think they've got the Vikings coming up and uh yeah it's going to get tough for the Cowboys who need to continue to win games under their belt to try to get to the playoffs 100% agree. All right, so much more to talk about as we continue here on the program. We'll get to Orly, more of your phone calls. We're live at the L House hanging with you on a Monday edition of the show. Our phone number, 505-6009. Let's go first to Charlie Wan to get this traffic update. 22 past as Sports Talk continues live from our home every Monday. It's Border City L House. 1506 Lee Trevino. Come on down and join us. Take advantage of pint night. Three, four, five dollar pints. Four dollar fireball. $5 Jack and Jack flavors, a menu that's filled with just hits all the way around, whether it's their wings, bone-in or boneless, the the hamburgers, the chicken sandwiches, the fajitas, the brisket, the pizzas. Oh, my God. Nachos, you name it, they have it out here, out of Border City L House. And tonight will be a, a wild night. They will be here. The Eagles fan club getting ready for the Eagles and the commanders. Can't wait. All right, let's get back to the phones. 505-6009. Orly's been waiting through the break. Orly, you're next up. Thanks for the call. How are you? I'm doing good, Steve. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I spent the whole weekend in Las Cruces uh, at my son's 10U uh, baseball tournament Saturday and Sunday. Luckily, oh, we good. got done Saturday in time to go to the Haskins Center and uh, and watch UTEP uh, in New Mexico State, which, uh, believe me, was uh, was worth it. That was uh, That was awesome. Does that bring back some good memories of the in-your-face defense? I mean, I was thinking about it, Orly. I haven't seen a defensive effort like that against the Aggies in a long, long time. I would say back until Billy Gillespie's years, maybe the end of Haskins' years, they were in-your-face. I loved it. You know, I remember an old football coach at Coronado that I knew I was with Jack Quarles. He used to always say, the tougher the preseason schedule, the better you get prepared for your district. And I think by playing Texas that first night, we gained a lot of, uh, a lot of experience. And, you know, and New, and New Mexico State played Western New Mexico. So they hadn't been tested like that. And it made a difference, I think, with UTEP this week. You know, New Mexico State, I think they've got trouble with their ballplayers. There's a lot of self-interest down there. Uh, I think he's going to have issues with some of those ball players. You can see number fifteen; he's a little out of control. I don't know the guy's name, but he was. Uh, that's out of so. Control. It's funny you mentioned. It's funny you mentioned fifteen. Okay, so let me tell you about number fifteen. Number fifteen is Mike Peak, who okay. started uh, last year uh, as a bench player for the Aggies. Worked himself into rotation as the season went along. But the story goes that when Joe Golding first got here, before he brought in Alfred Hollins, he was trying to get a big man. Mike Peake came and took two visits. The first was at UTEP. The second was at New Mexico State. And he signed with the Aggies and Chris Jans after visiting both schools. So the truth is, there's a and, and, and I can tell you this, the fans were on peak, including my brother, who made sure to remind Peak at the end of the game that he should have chosen UTEP and not New Mexico State last year. 
Okay, okay. There, there, there's, there's where it was. And now yeah. let's go. Let's go to football over the weekend. Okay. Uh, there's a little worried about the 49ers' offense of all the weapons, and I don't blame the quarterback. I blame the play selection. Um, I get tired of the conservative not to lose the game attitude. You've got you got Jennings, you've got Kittle, you got a Uke, and now you got McCaffrey. And they refuse to throw it down the field. I don't think if he's got confidence in the quarter, Jimmy G, but the guy has played well. Um, the last night's game was a little nerve wracking, but boy, did they do some adjustments at halftime on defense. I don't blame you. Uh, I mean, you're down, you know, yeah. you're down 16-10 at halftime. And uh, you know what? The Chargers didn't score in the second half, so that is a very big part. And by the way, how about this? Eliza Mitchell, was he outran uh, McCaffrey oh. yesterday. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's fun to see them back. They're relevant. Uh, and my hat's off. Now let's change it to Aaron Jones. What a game he had yesterday. You know what? He's got the Cowboys number. Yes, he, he does. He plays his best game against the Cowboys. And I was happy for him yesterday. Uh, of course, I'm hearing all the Cowboy fans. Like I told them, you guys haven't been relevant in years. Every year we keep hearing the same thing. You're going, we're going to go. You're not going. You don't have the quarterback and you don't have the coach. And it makes a difference. Just like the 49ers. We'll get there, but can the coach finish? He didn't do it in Atlanta, and he didn't do it against Kansas City. But we'll get there, and hopefully he'll you know, change his mindset, but they're not going to. They're stubborn. Um, but, yeah, I think um, the Cowboys, you know, uh, uh, all the fans, you know, just relax, but I don't think you're relevant. And you better watch out because you're not getting, you're not going to win that division. You're going in the wild card. There's about six or seven good teams that are real equal for that wild card. There's only three wild card teams. Somebody's going to get left out. And it could be the 49ers if we don't catch, uh, if they don't catch the, the Seahawks. Yep. Yep. But, but you know, it, it's, a, it's a tough season, uh, but it's going to be fun. And let's go to New Mexico State, their football. You know, they're, you know that, they've got a pretty good coach down there. You know what? I think he's done a pretty good job. Of course, he hasn't really played the powerhouses as far as teams he's beaten, but he's winning and he's blowing out the small schools. You got to give him a lot of credit. I'm not a big Aggie fan, but I think they've got the right fit for football coach over there. Ah, he's turning that thing around. I got news for you, Jerry Kill. It's just gonna give him give him a couple years. He's gonna do in New Mexico State what he's done everywhere else. There's no doubt about it. Well, because he's been a winner everywhere else. Our, I Absolutely. Mean, nothing against nothing against the uh, demo here, but when he was at Wyoming and in Houston, he never had a winning record. Yep. This guy's had a winning record. Big difference. All right, guys, you take care. All right, you too. Thanks for the phone call, Orly. We appreciate it. Anyway, uh, great stuff as we keep things moving and approach the bottom of the hour. Uh, he's right, by the way. Aaron Jones is just what he does to the Dallas Cowboys every single time. He has made a career out of the Cowboys, and he did it again yesterday when he went into the end zone and uh, 
gave it his best Marshawn Lynch impersonation in the end zone. And yes, there is no doubt about it. Adrian, it uh, pretty much blew up Twitter uh, during that game when he got into the end zone like that. Yeah, he did. And, uh, I, you know, doing it against an elite defense like the Cowboys have, it's just very impressive. I, and it's also fitting that uh, Aaron Jones grows up a Cowboy fan, uh, is around Cowboy fans his whole life, grows up in Texas and everything. And then, you know, when he merges into the NFL, his first big game was against the Cowboys when he, it, like during his rookie season, and that's when he first kind of came onto the scene. And now, I mean, continuously, you know, five years down the line, he's still beating up on the Cowboys. He just, there are some things in the NFL that never change. I think that's what we've learned from this sport. And one of the things that won't change is the fact that Aaron Jones continues to beat down on the Cowboys. It is unbelievable what he did. And then really yesterday, let's be honest, if you're a Packers fan and you were begging for a for a spark, you got one with Christian Watson and Aaron Rodgers, the three touchdown passes. I don't know if they'll be able to start that regularly, but for one game, it looked like the Packers finally had a reliable receiver that Aaron Rodgers could go to. And that was the that was clearly the case. All right. Bottom of the hour. Plenty more of your phone calls coming up, 505-6009 to get into the show. Uh, more in a moment, but first, let's go right now to Adrian Broadus for this Sports Center update. As we continue here on the show, uh, are we just talking about two high schools in the area that are left after by district? No, we're actually talking about three. We're talking about Eastwood High School, uh, Pebble Hills, and Eastwood. Okay. Um, Eastwood, Pebble Hills, and um, you said Kenyatio, That's right? correct. Yes, that's right. right. So, so Eastwood, Pebble Hills, and Kenyatio. Um, again, you know, you look at what happened. How many do you think have a legitimate shot to go, you know, three to even four rounds deep uh, this year in the playoffs. Any of them? Uh, I don't know, Steve. That, all three of them have really tough matchups next time, and I guess that's the story every time we talk about high school football playoffs, but uh, I, I mean, it really has to be said, the way that the Spartans beat up on uh, Odessa Permian in that victory on Friday, that was significant right there. Yep. That A 45-28 win for Pebble Hills and El Paso team to beat out Odessa Permian, the mighty Odessa Permian, that's huge. And then you look at what uh, the, uh, you know, what the Eastwood Troopers did fending off uh, San Angelo Central. That was a high-scoring game, Steve, that featured over 12,000 yards of total offense, and they still got it done. That was a huge one right there. And for Kenny Teo, I think that's the team right there. Just objectively speaking, Class 6A playoffs are so hard. I mean, you're talking about the North Crowleys of the world uh, that these teams are having to go up against. But when we're talking about 5A ranks, maybe Kenny Teo can find their themselves uh, into a, a more clear path to try to have more success success in the playoffs. It's just so hard when these teams leave El Paso and then travel uh, you know, to West Texas or even East Texas to face some of these really tough opponents. You're right, 100%. Um, it's tough, but you, know, you always hope we can get half a dozen to get out of by district. But the truth is, ever since they've really turned it around the way it is right now and, and you don't really have any El Paso versus El Paso anymore in the by district round, it makes it much, much tougher. 
It does. I, it, for all these teams right now who had a chance to, uh, you know, last time or, you know, in previous years, you had uh, by district rounds that featured inner, in city like matchups. Now it's no in city matchups. It's all out of town matchups. Sure, you're having some teams host uh, those first by district round matchups. But as we saw over the weekend, it's tough to beat teams even when they're coming to El Paso. These teams are, are just at a different level at some points. And uh, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of building points for some of these groups who made it to the yep. playoffs but yeah it was just an unsuccessful year to get more teams to advance into the area round let me welcome in UTEP Zay to the show so much to talk about as we've gone through a lot in the first 35 minutes of the program Zay um, I'll get your thoughts on uh, high school first any I mean when you were looking at all the matchups how many high school football teams in the area in the city did you think had a legitimate shot to get out of by district well, obviously you want to go with Pebble Hills. I thought Del Valle had a chance. I mean, they were one of the best teams in the city, and they just disappointed. They played against Abilene, and they just they got they got punched in the face, and they couldn't come back from it. So I thought Del Valle, it was pretty disappointing. Um, but, yeah, that's that's about it. I mean, they, they had some really rough matchups. Okay, so other than that, you really do believe that uh, everybody else that was supposed to get done uh, was able to, to deliver. So, okay, uh, that's that's good news. Uh, UTEP, New Mexico State, biggest takeaway for you from you in the uh, in the win. The depth of, of this UTEP team is is wild. We knew coming into this year that you know they're going to have guard depth, but the big man depth is it, it's better than I thought. You know, we saw you know Derek Hamilton play. I didn't expect them to play. You know, we saw a, a whole lot of bigs: Calvin Solomon, you know, Zarek Onyama, Kevin Kalu. They have a really good. Um, they just have a lot of good bigs that hey. This team, this team, hey, they got a lot of depth, and that, that's huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, depth, I would agree with that. I think that bigs, depth, there's no doubt. It's just, I'll say this, and we talked about this a lot as the team was getting put together. It is such a different team from last year in every possible um you know, every possible uh, scenario. I mean, last year they relied on two or three guys to score. This year they've got pretty much their whole roster uh, could put it in. They don't really have anybody that's going to score 25 a game or 30 a game like Sule Boom could do. But, you know, you saw what happened. They didn't need that on Saturday night. You know, this team, they know what they have to do. And I almost feel like they are bought in early. I mean, that's the best part, too. Would you have liked to have seen them win the game by 10 and not by 3 after that long bank off the glass, the buzzer? Sure. But for the most part, um, I thought the Miners built that lead, kept it, and did everything they needed to and, and had the sparks they needed to. And by the way, what a difference Mario McKinney made going up against his old team, Adrian. Yeah, and and really, I loved what Mario McKinney is bringing to this team in just a single game from what we saw. I mean, can you imagine this guy takes a, he takes some time away from this team for personal matters, and he's right back in like he never left. And he played with a ton of emotion on Saturday, uh, just a ton of drive. But what I noticed also, I mean, you, you hit it right on the head saying that uh, we talked about this before the season, this will be a, a completely new team, even their philosophy and how 
how they act. After the game, Steve, did you notice that they did not celebrate like teams of years past would after a win like yep. this? Like they were calm, collected, like like just business, you know, just like uh, another game, another victory right there for this squad. And I think they'll celebrate down the season. They'll celebrate in different ways. But, you know, on Saturday, just the way that they were composed after the victory, no one celebrating too much, that, that was a little impressive to me. I know. No, I agree. I agree. Um, all right. We'll talk more about it when we continue live from Border City Alehouse. If you are at the game Saturday and you want to talk about it, we'd love to get your reaction, your thoughts. Our phone number, 505-6009. You can tweet the show, 600 ESPN El Paso. Also connect with us on our mobile app, powered by First American Bank. Three easy ways to get right on in and through to Sports Talk as we send it back right now to ABC7 for this update. Back here on Sports Talk, back live, Border City Alehouse. The calm before the storm. When in about 90 minutes, they kick off for Monday Night Football. This place will go bananas. The Eagles fan club will be here for the Commanders and the Eagles, and uh, we'll be here giving away prizes at halftime. Can't wait. In the meantime, we've got awards to hand out from Saturday night and a minor talk, which you had a chance to listen to after the game on 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, UTEP beats New Mexico State to win uh, the Battle of I-10 for the first time in three years. Only their third win in the last eight years in this series. Let's do first our hot hand of the game, uh, which is brought to you by Wind Supply of El Paso. So many different people we can look at for the hot hand. Who are we going with this time? Yeah, Steve, and by the way, really a special thanks to Wind Supply El Paso for joining us for another great season of Minor Talk. And uh, for our Hot Hand Award, it's usually given to somebody who just goes off in like a certain stretch of the game. And for this one, I mean, we could have gone a lot of different ways, but we stuck with the former Aggie and now the current minor in Mario McKinney Jr., who got a chance to play in a UTEP uniform for the first time this past weekend. He was dishing out assists, he was scoring down low, he was firing up the crowd, and he had that hot hand in this contest that really set him over the top. Mario McKinney, our uh, first award, his first award here on Minor Talk, getting the hot hand from Saturday. I love it. Absolutely love that one. Uh, folks, stay comfortable all season long with Wind Supply of El Paso offering champion homeowner rebates for the months of November and December. In fact, the rebates are up to $425 on eligible champion equipment. If you would like to learn more, just go to the Find a Dealer tab to locate your nearest uh, champion dealer at windsupplyelpaso.com. That's your Find a Dealer tab at windsupplyelpaso.com, and you'll see the rebates offer there on the site. Now, let's move to our Keats uh, Southwest player of the game. So many different uh, individuals stepped up in a big way. Who are we going with for player of the game? Yeah, I mean, we could have gone Tay Hardy, who uh, probably, you know, a snubbed of an, of an award this past weekend by us here on Minor Talk. But we stuck with Zarek Onyema because we thought what he provided with the 13.7 rebounds was a, another big spark for this team. And they really needed his 13 points in this one. They were thunderous dunks, uh, most notably that putback that he had. Um, I, I think it was like a missed layup, and then he puts it back for a slam dunk. That was huge. And then you even saw Onyema 
Kuzma have this like crisp bounce pass down low to Tay Hardy. So he's doing it on all all different levels for Zarek Onyema. Uh, now a two-time recipient of the game of the Player of the Game Award, thanks to our great friends at Keats Southwest. Awesome stuff. They're leading the industry in precision metal stamping since 1958. In fact, so many different types of custom products are produced by Keats Southwest, whether it's assemblies, brackets, bushings, clips, lead frames, uh, metal stamping, shields, tooling, wire forming, and more. You want to learn more, just go to KeatsSW.com. That's KeatsSW.com for our player of the game well done. And man, oh, man, look at Z, how big he's coming through. That is impressive. When you realize just from um, last year to this year, he he looks like, like he's matured so much. I love that. He's making free throws. He's getting himself to the line. He's still throwing it down with authority every time he's uh, you know in position. I love what we're seeing from Onyema so far this year. Yeah, he's been uh, a pleasant surprise, to say the least. I, I, for Onyema, you could say that there was a lot of things from last year that he needed to work on, but one of the big things that everybody keeps saying is he just needed more playing time, and now he's getting those extended minutes. Last year was him coming off the bench as a spark to this team, and, and I think you'd, you would count on him for maybe four points here, four points there. I think this current squad will rely on Zarek Onyema to be that offensive spark plug down low as with, with consistency minutes, and they will ask him to rebound the ball efficiently for them on both ends. So uh, his role has definitely, uh, definitely expanded since last year. How about the news that David Terrell made it official and uh, he signed with UTEP? In fact, the Miners about an hour ago put out the, uh, the, the tweet. They've even got a special message uh, from David Terrell in the thread, and uh, pretty exciting because I know that right now when you talk to Joe Golding, he absolutely loves the potential of this 6'4 guard from Arlington who is now a second-generation minor since his dad, David, played in the defensive backfield for UTEP in the 90s. Yeah, this is great news right here, and actually very old news. Uh, it's so interesting that UTEP is releasing this today, knowing that David Terrell signed back on Friday. They didn't say anything then. Same with Trey Horton. He was another player that UTEP signed on that day as well, and they haven't said anything yet, so I expect to see some kind of a, an official release from the UTEP side of things, and that's great because now you're seeing this coaching staff with uh, head coach Joe Golding. He's continuing to give emphasis to the high school route, and I think that's very important because you, when you see uh, the era of college basketball that we're experiencing it right now with uh, Transfer Portal being what it is and also junior college recruits coming into UTEP, uh, it's it's good to know that UTEP is going the high school route and they're committed to developing some of these younger players for year in, year out. I think I know why they released it today and not Friday. I think there was still so much focus on the Battle of I-10 they didn't want this signing to go unnoticed and go kind of under the radar. They probably felt that by Monday, the smoke is cleared. Everybody's been excited coming off the game and obviously now the win. And they felt it's probably a better time to put it out there. That's at least what I think. Not wanting a big announcement like this to get lost in the shuffle. I could definitely see that. That's, that's definitely possible. You know what's weird? When you go to the story on the UTEP website and you see this picture of David Terrell, he is surrounded by Nikes. How bizarre, knowing they're going to Adidas, that they put the KD logo and Nike shoe boxes everywhere for the David Terrell photo. 
Oh my goodness. And, and the fact that like uh there's been uh I, I guess a little bit of excitement around the Jordan like um you know practice jerseys that they wear yep. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's not uh not the best uh not the best thing to be excited about knowing that that deal is about to expire. Any chance you think that uh, Joe could do a side deal? Probably not. Right? <laughs> They'd probably hope, uh, or maybe oh. maybe they could uh, ink a player or something like that. Like, yeah. hey, well, we're our basketball team is going to be sponsored by the LeBron, uh, all the LeBron shoes, the LeBron shirts, and all that. So it'll still have the swoosh, but it'll also have that LeBron logo or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if Adidas would like that. I no, think that might not. That might not <laughs> go over too well. Uh, one hour in the books, two to go. Stay with us. We're live. Border City L has hanging with you on a Monday. It's Sports Talk and six hundred ESPN El Paso. Hour number two of Sports Talk is underway. Welcome back, everybody. Along with Adrian Broadus, UTEP Zay, Steve Kaplowitz here with you. Live, Border City L House, hanging with you. 1506, Lee Trevino. Checking some of the tweets coming out here as we get ready for the Eagles and the Commanders in about an hour and 15 minutes. We'll take you up till 7 o'clock tonight. This is from El Paso Visuals. Z is the new leader and face of the team. Notice next time, Z is the one who puts his hands up and gets the other four together to talk after a foul. It's interesting that um, a passive visuals brings that up, Adrian and Zay. I, you know, I've always thought that, like as far as leadership, um, Shamar Givens is kind of the leader. But maybe he's right. Maybe Z is kind of taking over the leadership role on this team. As uh, you know, he is in his second season and getting more and more comfortable on the court uh, in playing time. I like the word that you use in terms of comfortable because I feel like now, uh, after three seasons at UTEP, Zarek Onyema is now comfortable with as with his role and who he is with this UTEP basketball team. He's not trying to be the greatest player out there and score twenty points a night like Sule Boom. He seems just like a team guy, like somebody who's just out there trying to make his uh, team better. And I think that you you could have. Have leaders by example. I don't think Zerikonyema is necessarily that, but if he takes more of a vocal leadership like guys like Shamar Givens, then that'll just help him in his maturation as a player in general. So I've, I've liked uh, the development that we've seen for him uh, for all levels. So I, I like that that uh, El, Paso, El Paso Visuals Deportivos noticed that. Zay, give me your thoughts on that. What about uh, the take you just heard a moment ago about uh, Onyema? Yeah, yeah, I really agree with that. I think you know he's he's a seasoned vet at this point. He's been at UTEP for for three years, so I I think maybe Shamar is probably you know the the vocal leader of this team. But I think Z's right behind him. Yeah. Um, by the way, guys, uh, it's you know it's it's funny we talk a lot of UTEP hoops and would love to get uh, phone calls and comments in today at five zero five six zero zero nine. If you were at the game, we'd love to get your thoughts on that. I know. Minor talk was a busy one, as I could imagine. A lot of people chiming in on on minor talk. Uh, you know, just a, a lot of random observations, guys, from the game. Number one, I thought there was a ton of Aggie fans there. I thought they took over four sections in the Haskins Center, as I mentioned earlier, and just a lot of fans there. Uh, that being said, uh, as far as UTEP observations go, because I had plenty of them as I was watching this game develop and seeing what the Miners were uh, were able to do. Number one, um, I love the game plan from Joe Golding. I love the coaching from Joe Golding. And, I, you know, you, you're starting to see what, you know, he's capable of uh, with this group early on. 
and it kind of gets you excited as the season will progress. We talked about McKinney being a huge spark. Totally agree with that. I do think Onyema's much improved uh, through the first couple of games. We've seen that. Um, I've never seen a free throw shooter more troubling than Kevin Kalu, guys. Um, I've watched the highest arcing uh, free throws that just I don't I don't remember last year. I mean, and you guys tell me this because I don't remember. Was Kevin Kalu like a, from the line the same style last year, or have they completely remade his free throw shooting ability? Well, I think he kind of looks like Giannis, right? Like when he's at the free throw line, he's he takes his time and he has that high arc. Uh, but what you're probably seeing is he's not the best pure shooter right there from from Kevin Kalu. So that would be my only comment there. Oh, you're being kind. Come on. Uh, he's not a we, shooter. He's not going to shoot the ball. He's he's going to dunk it down low, and he's going to dish it. I mean, he's going to shoot a hey, low post bucket. He's not going to hit a shot. Like he's you not going to hit make, a free you've throw. Gotta make, you got why? Why not? Why can't you make a free throw? Why can't you make it close? He doesn't have that in his throw. bag yet. He doesn't have that. You, you can see it. You, you can see it right away. Just like you said, he he doesn't have it. Oh my goodness! Um, I I don't remember that last year, but I was it it, it was tough. I mean, listen, it was tough to watch. Uh, at times, you almost want to cringe because you saw those when he was at the line. You realized that that ball doesn't have a chance. Now, I'm pulling up last year's stats, okay? Last year, in terms of Kalu, he was 13 of 19 from the line, Adrian. That's 68, almost 69%. So, I'm sorry, but... The free throws I saw in that game do not even resemble somebody who was 13 for 19 from the line last season as a freshman. I hear you. I I, I get what you're saying. I just don't think he's a pure shooter at all. Like he's like, not. He's not going to be somebody like that at all. If you're telling me that he needs to develop a free throw shot, then I agree. But if you're yes. telling me that this guy did, doesn't have it as far as a free throw line, I I would say he doesn't. He he can't shoot a free throw right now. No, not at least not yet. Um, so, but here's what I don't understand. Okay, how was somebody that was 13 for 19 last year, probably most of it in the first two months of the season when he played the most? How is he now one for six from the line this year? Because given his play and his style, he's going to get to the line, and teams are going to say foul him until he shows he can make a free throw. So my concern with Kalu is because of the style of game he plays, he's going to get to the line, and he's got to develop some semblance of a free throw. Because last year he did. He was almost a 70% shooter last year. How has that gone to not just one for six, but what you saw when he attempted the free throws? I mean, my goodness. Number one, they almost almost, uh, brought rain from the building, and number two, they weren't close. So... I feel like, and I'd have to watch videos from last year, but I almost feel like he's, he, they completely reinvented his foul shooting ability. Yeah, I'm not sure as far as what he did, like what they worked on as far as his foul shooting. I would just say that uh, he hasn't played a lot of minutes just in general. So just to see like Kevin Kalu like play more extended minutes and be at the free throw line more, that, that'll that obviously get him uh, or force him to become a better free throw shooter down the line. So I think I, I just think he needs more experience just across the board. And, and, and it goes for a couple others, but yep. uh, Kevin Kalu in particular, he's only attempt. I mean, you said it best. He's only attempted last season, what, 17 free throws? Like that's that's nothing right there. Nineteen or nineteen. 19. That's 19. nothing right there. 
No, you're right. But he made 13 of them, Adrian. He made 13. Yeah, but small sample size either way. Yeah, it's just sure. a really small sample size. Well, I don't know. 13 out of 19, one out of six. <laughs> there's, there's a little bit of a difference right there. And you saw what it was like Saturday night. Those free throws weren't close. No, they weren't. They weren't close. I just don't think it's a – like, you. we have to see this uh, happen. If we're talking about the same thing in February and March, then we're talking about a whole different story, right? Like, somebody who hasn't really gotten better throughout the season. But he just needs more minutes under his belt in general. Like, I think that as he plays more with this group, he'll become a better, uh, you know, a better free throw shooter and better player overall. Here's the thing, okay? I think Kalu's going to see a lot of minutes. He's terrific on the defensive side, probably their best defensive big man. And on the offensive end, you know, he can make moves down low. He's going to get to the line a lot. I mean, he has enough of a low post game to attract attention. So it's almost as if you got to be able to make free throws because that's going to be where some of the, you know, the, like the majority of your points come from, especially if teams are, are instructed to hack him because they don't think he can make a foul shot. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there. I, I totally understand. All right, 11 past as we continue uh, here on the show. Uh, other observations. Uh, Tay Hardy, uh, you know, you can see the scoring ability. He's another one, though. Two of five from the line. He's better than that. You know that based on what he's done the previous uh, three seasons at Southern Miss. Now, that is also, like Adrian said, a small sample size. So, hopefully, Tay Hardy will get it together. The difference is, is Tay Hardy is shooting 45% from the field, and you know that the free throws will come uh, in time. Also, um, how about Onyema's field goal percentage through two games? Nine of 11. Now, he won't be 9 of 11 for the rest of the season, but that right there also shows you just how good and how efficient he's been so far this season when he gets the basketball. And of the 9, would you say we've probably had 4 or 5 dunks so far from uh, Onyema? Yeah, and and I got to look into the, uh, I would say probably a little bit, uh, I would say 4 to 5 for sure, and and maybe even a little bit more, but I would love to look at just the true shooting percentage numbers. I know he had like a low post shot uh, this past game that the head the head coaching staff was scratching their heads about and wondering why he attempted that. But uh, but I'm, I'm okay giving him a little bit, you know, giving him one or two shots like that just to uh, expand his range a little bit. He's going to be at his best when he's around the rim. But let him shoot a little bit, you know, jumpers, mid-range jumpers, or even those three-point shots. And let him just try to take those early on into the season when he can. Absolutely. Uh, Albert S., Uh, uh, messaged us about 30 minutes ago on our mobile app uh, powered by First American Bank and said, I was at the UTEP game Saturday, and the amount of people that made it out to the game was great. You can tell it affected NMSU, and the fans were all cheering. I'd agree with Albert on that one. Uh, The fans were into it. They were were a factor, and they definitely had an impact on the game. That is is for sure. Also, I'm going to bring up this point to the two of you, and you guys can both address this, both you, Adrian, and Zay. Um, Shamar Givens, through two games, is 3 of 11 from the field. Jamari Sibley, 4 out of 14 from the field. Uh, Do you think that those two will start to pick it up, like you're mentioning with Kalu, small sample size, just two games, or do you think that Givens and Sibley will, uh, will, will do a lot of things uh, but struggle to score when given an opportunity. No, I think both of them, will, they'll pick it up. I think Shamar will pick it up. I think right now he's just, you know, he's leading this offense. But eventually when it's time for him to score, UTEP will call on him and he'll get you. He'll get a bucket. I mean, he's a bucket getter. 
He's also 4-5 from the foul line so far this year. So when he gets to the line, he makes his foul shots. So 3 of 11 from the field, but 4-5 from the line. Sibley is 4-14 from the field, 1 of 5 from three-point range, 1 of 1 from the line. Adrian, give me your take on the two. Okay. Uh, Adrian's got phones to get to, and uh, we will come back and, and get his thoughts on this in just a little bit as we continue here on Sports Talk. Phone number. 505-6009. That is our telephone number as we get into the program. 505-6009. You can also tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. At 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Before we get to Leon, Adrian, give me your take on uh, the situation with both uh, Sibley and Givens from an offensive standpoint. Uh, for Sibley in particular, I thought against New Mexico State he was a little passive uh, in scoring, and I just didn't like his attempts either way. And I also felt like against Texas, while they weren't, while he wasn't necessarily passive, maybe his shot selection wasn't the best. And I think we've seen better from Sibley all across, like in terms of his shot selection and in, in terms of him being more aggressive in scoring offensively. Now, when it comes to Shamar Givens, I'm just going to bet on the long haul. Like I'm, I'm talking February, March. This guy's going to be the the most uh, significant player with this group. He's going to be that impact player. I think he's just trying to feel his way around this group and try to find out how he could be the best uh, point guard on this team. But I remember this one point where he got injured and he goes to the sideline, and uh, they needed kind of his help as yeah. just that 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 point general, like that floor general, to help them uh, just keep things organized. And I, I remember Golding looked to the bench, looked for Givens, and he barely got back from whatever kind of uh, treatment he was receiving to the injury he had briefly, and he went right back into the game. And they needed him to close out that contest. That just shows Shamar Givens' value right now. He might not; They might not need him to score 15 a game right now, but they need him to be on the floor helping them out on both ends. Well, there's a drop-off between Givens and Zachary, so I understand why they want him in the game right now. I do. I thought it was a cramp based on what they were doing to him on the bench is you were right there it was right in front of you is that pretty much what you thought as well yeah because the way that he was like grimacing it was kind of that cramp look and then as soon as he was back he was he moved fine so I was thinking it was a cramp like I didn't think anything of it let's go to Leon he joins us next the sports talk continues on a Monday edition of the show 505-6009 Leon what's going on man how are you hey how you doing Steve once again you great job on the show but how about we give some some props over here to Adrian and all the work he does in keeping everybody organized. And that no doubt. Guy's, that guy's a jewel man. A no jewel. doubt. Absolutely. So. Especially, listen, Adrian is, is handling, he's, he's basically holding the fort down while I'm out here at the Yale House. Every show handles minor talk, handles high school football, uh, goes out and reports on games when he doesn't have to do it. Nah, there's no doubt about it. Listen, uh, I've said this before and I'll say it again. He is the future of this radio station, the future of this show, and uh, it doesn't take a genius to see that. Oh, Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, most definitely. The reason I I want to call it before Augustine blew up everybody's afternoon. So, anyways, um, but but by the way, what you want some you want some hints about the other night? So, this is some things that I saw. You notice how they attacked the the basket, and I'm talking about when they when they got a chance to post or when they got the second chance rebounds. These guys did not put the ball on the floor. Yeah. They go straight up and straight towards the basket. That's fundamental, and that's somebody that knows court awareness. I was very, very impressed with the defense. I was very, very impressed with just that simple execution, and I think 
could be a very special season if, if avoiding injuries. Um, that was just what I wanted to say. And, hey, don't forget, we still got football, right? So we got two more games. Let's see what yeah, happens. That's anyways, a good point, thank too. You, gentlemen. Yeah, appreciate the call. That's a really good point. We'll talk more about that when we come back because Adrian was at the Dana Dimmel press conference today and talking about uh, what the Miners need to do to um, win this uh, weekend in their final home game uh, coming up uh, Saturday afternoon. It's going to be a big one for them with FIU. So we'll talk more about that. We'll get to more of your calls, your tweets, and first, as we continue live out here at Border City Outhouse, getting ready for Monday Night Football, let's go to Charlie One and get this traffic update. 23 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. 505-6009, that is our telephone number. We're coming your way live from Border City, L House. 1506 Lee Trevino. Giving away tickets to the Cardin International Circus. Coming this Friday, Saturday, Sunday to the Coliseum. I've got family four packs of tickets, a $60 value. We've got uh, four packs of uh, Rhinos tickets to give away. Three of those, three four-packs. We've also got golf out at Horizon Golf in Conference Center, uh, which includes a cart and golf for two, plus uh, some great, great prizes from our friends at All That Music and Video located at the Fountains of Farah. We have Gridiron Gang with The Rock on DVD. DVDs of the Washington 82 Super Bowl championship team. Super Bowl 52 with the Eagles, along with an Eagles insulated lunch bag and an Eagles... Um, bottle opener. We'll be giving all that away here at halftime for tonight's Monday night game. All right. In the meantime, as we continue, let's go to Augustine. He's been waiting. It's almost like he heard his name called when Leon called in uh, last segment. Augustine, uh, just uh, right on cue. How are you? Hey, Stephen. No, it, 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 I, I sound like Beetlejuice, man. It's like Augustine, Augustine, Augustine. Hey, I'm here. Um, you know, Steve, you asked something really important, and, and, and I think it's, it's something that everybody's questioning themselves right about now, saying, what do the Miners need to win the following game? And more than anything, I mean, I know everybody, we're all, you know, you know the, those, uh, those sofa quarterbacks, those sofa coaches and all that, but, you know, one of the things that really comes to mind is the Miners really attacking that, that between 5 and 15 yards, using those tight ends, probably getting some slants in there, maybe some hooks, maybe some skinny posts. And, 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 and maybe, maybe, you know, having playing with their, uh, with their running backs, not just the running game, but, you know, some screens, some middle screens, and get them out on flares and all that. Just are the minors too predictable on offense now? Is it just, is it just, Depending on the defense, which has, which has cracked at the end of games, and it, it's just frustrating to see it. And uh, and 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 one more thing, Steve, and and and, and I'll hang up. I'll listen to you. Hey, Cowboy fans, <laughs> appreciate the phone call. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, what uh, he was just mentioning a moment ago. Are the miners too predictable, um, Adrian and Zay? At times, I've felt. Absolutely, yes. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, when they beat Boise, they completely went off script. And not only were we not ready for it, Boise wasn't ready for it. So it's strange that, you know, when we see the issues with clock management and some of the other things that have doomed them, I don't necessarily think that's just because of predictability. I think that 
maybe part of it is just, you know, they, they sometimes abandon what's working for them, but I don't necessarily know if, if that is, is being too predictable. No, I feel at times they can be predictable. You know, hey, you go down 10, you know what UTEP's going to do. They're going to air it out, right? But um, I think the issue, I think in the Boise State game, yeah, they, they, they completely just did something we weren't expecting them to do. They ran the ball, and I think if that works for you, do it, you know? So I don't know if it's predictability. I think it's just interesting play calling. Adrian, what's your take? I, I, I could see the uh, UTEP being a little bit more diverse in the play calling to help them out a little bit. I, I'm with you. I think that also like the game management doesn't necessarily like trickle into the predictability of the offense. There are times where you know, like if it's third and one, UTEP is going to run the football and they have a predictable, I, I guess, like um, formation or something like that that would lead you to thinking that UTEP is going to run the ball. But I, I would also say that they've surprised us. Look at the bowl game that Trent Thompson touchdown pass that's that's what I'll always lean on that UTEP yep. can uh, go into their bags a tr- bag of tricks and use some of these different play calls I do agree that they with Augustine Augustine that they uh, rely on their defense a lot of times and by the way it sounded like he he uh, played some Madden before he called in calling skinny posts and calling the slant plays for tight ends all right Augustine I, I see you with that Madden 2022 uh, but nonetheless I feel like with Dana Dimmel he always stresses execution. That's what he continued to stress today at the press conference, that, that they're not executing plays right, and that's what's really hurting them offensively. But you want to know something? Like, when I look at this team this year and even last year, and I compare the first couple of years, I think that it's night and day in terms of being predictable. They were predictable when they had a very one-dimensional offense that you knew exactly what they were going to do those first couple of years. But compared to the early days of Dana Dibble, I don't think they're nearly as predictable now as they used to be. Very, I'm, I very much agree with this because, um, you know, and it was also personnel-based. They didn't have the personnel to throw the ball as much as they do now. Uh, and, and even defensively, they didn't have the personnel to be as aggressive blitzing the, the quarterback or, you know, going off on these different coverages. They, they didn't have those abilities because they didn't have the personnel. And I think what you've seen is Dimmel recruiting the right personnel to fit this system. Maybe his, you know, his biggest argument would he will constantly tell us is that it's not the team executing those plays that have been called and and that trickles into game management that trickles into things like turnovers and that's been a big problem for this UTEP team just not finishing drives capitalizing on on good solid performances and and scoring points I think that would be the biggest problems right there I agree with you you want to elaborate on that folks you can do it as well we'd love to hear from you 505-6009 Uh, Just piggybacking off those last couple calls from Leon and from Augustine as we get ready for SportsCenter and the midway point of the program. Before we do that, though, if uh, you're ever in a situation like Maryland is, hey, there might be a lot of different people that you could go to for uh, selling your home. But let me tell you who you need to go through. Brian Birds and the Brian Birds team. Here's what Maryland dealt with. She had a home to sell that she had power of attorney over. And you know what? She needed that expert to help her get through all the documentation to get the home sold in the northeast side of town. So Brian listed the property for $175,000, had it sold in under a week, getting all the paperwork expedited to close on the sale. Man, Marilyn was glad to have this done so quickly, and that was thanks to the Brian Bird's home selling team powered by EXP Realty. You know, you got to achieve top dollar for your home. 
And you need that agent who can create an auction-like effect with buyers competing for your home and driving up the price, which is exactly what Brian does. Now, he's got hundreds of buyers ready to buy right now. So if your home lists between $150,000 and $300,000, he has buyers for you as we speak. So call the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the Rhinos. The only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. Call Brian Birds today, 751-1500, or online at brianbirds.com, or Google Brian, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing. Adrian, thank you very much. 33 now past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. 505-6009, our telephone number. Tell me about the press conference today and uh, what you heard from the aforementioned Dana Dimmel as he gets ready for uh, the big one uh, coming up on Saturday. The big focus for uh, the entire press conferences was it's not about which players play. It's about which players execute plays uh, for UTEP. And and that might sound super cliche and like coach speak, but I would say right there with uh, with Dana Dimmel and this group, it's about trying to keep everybody intact and looking ahead to uh, possibly trying to still get to the bowl game. That that's something that that's an idea that this team does not want to relinquish. I talked to several players over the weekend. They are uh, their mind is all on a bowl game as well, which it should be right. You don't want to fold and think that this season season's over just yet and uh, against Florida International that's an opportunity it's four it's uh, two teams who are four and six on the year going into Saturday's matchup and it's two teams that are hungry to get another win under their belt so uh, I think for Dana Dimmel he was just stressing how big this game is for them senior day as well it's an afternoon kickoff and we still don't know which quarterback will play will, will it be Gavin Hardison will it be Calvin Brownholtz I think we're gonna have to wait until Saturday to see who starts Man, oh, man, it's going to be good. Um, I, I don't know either, and that's the hardest part is uh, we really don't have an answer to this question. We don't know who's going to start for the minors. And when you start to really weigh these two, I mean, the hardest part about coming off a bye, Adrian, is, and I guess for UTEP, it's a good thing this time because the last time they came off a bye, they, were, they came off a win and they lost. Maybe now it's the reverse. They'll come off a loss and they'll win because they can't afford to have any more slip-ups. I mean, they've got to beat FIU and they've got to beat UTSA if they want to go bowling this season. And we have no idea yet what next season's roster is going to look like given the circumstances. So this is these two games are must-wins if they have any any. Uh, shot at trying to go to the postseason. You know, it's it's real interesting that you bring that up, Steve, and, and something that I kind of took away also from the press conference today, th- this team does not feel like this season is over at all. Like They, they feel like they should have had some of those games earlier this year and have, have won some of those. They feel like Conference USA's parity is at an all-time high and that any team can beat anybody on any given night. And yeah. uh, for, for this squad, what I found very interesting regarding the quarterback there, there was not much betting difference, I, I think, going into FIU's game. UTEP is favored by two touchdowns at home. Two touchdowns against FIU with uncertainty around who's going to play at quarterback. That is unbelievable when you realize that, you know, UTEP really hasn't been two touchdowns better than anybody this season. Um, and you start to look at their body of work. And the fact that FIU has come into Las Cruces beating New Mexico State, and they've had some good wins this season. 
Yeah, that, I mean, that just feels like 14 points feels like a lot of points to put on UTEP going into this FIU game. I get it. UTEP has to win. I get it. They've been great at home uh, you know, well, uh, to, uh, for, for the two uh, past two seasons, but they also are coming off back-to-back losses, and you wonder, who's going to be even that quarterback, and will that matter against Florida International? But you want to know something? FIU just gave up 52 points at home to Florida Atlantic. They lost 52-7. to seven. 52 to 7 Adrian Maybe that also factors into the uh, spread a little bit this week. Yeah, it's a good point. They also have the worst uh, offense in Conference USA right now by statistics. So even though the Fl- Florida International Golden Panthers are 4-6 and six on the year, uh, maybe that, that record is a little misleading knowing that they still struggle mightily when it comes to their offense. They are 109 in the country in total offense, and they cannot run the ball well. They, they ran the ball extremely well against the Aggies of New Mexico State, but other than that, they've struggled to run the football. They have. They absolutely have. Meanwhile, uh, you know, UTSA just hung 51 on La Tech, and they're getting ready to go play Rice this weekend, and that team just looks like a well-oiled machine that's going to be undefeated when they're all done with Conference USA. But, hey, uh, I want to see if UTEP can beat Florida International, but I'm looking at, at UTEP's four wins so far this season. They beat NMSU by seven. They beat Boise by 17. They beat Charlotte by six. They beat FAU by three. Um, It's hard to put UTEP as a 14-point favorite right now. I'm I'm with you on that 100%. Yeah, I, I don't know where they get that, and I get it. Look, Florida International doing some more digging over here. They're the worst team in conference, you say, in terms of their offensive scoring. But you look at UTEP's offensive scoring, they're not much better. I mean, they're, they're kind of right there with Florida International as far as scoring points. So while you're giving, uh, you know, you're, you're maybe docking FIU some points for certain things, UTEP's uh, 104th in the country with their scoring offense. So they're not a good scoring offensive team. No, they're not. They are not. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's pretty wild when you start to look at it as we head into uh, the second-to-last game of the football season. 38 past the hour. 505-6009. When we come back, UT Rio Grande Valley in the news. And it's a really interesting story. Why are they in the news for sports? We'll tell you when we come back. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back on Sports Talk as we continue 46 past the hour along with Adrian Broadus and UTEP Zay. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. We're live at the Yale House. Saw this tweet coming in a little while ago from Poncho. I hope quarterback Hardison is healthy, but I wish quarterback Calvin takes over. Even uh, if they beat FIU, Dimmel can't beat UTSA. Start getting quarterback Calvin Brownholtz ready for next year. That is the comment from Poncho. Uh, thoughts, guys? You know what, Steve? It's so interesting because I feel like a lot of minor fans feel that way, for better or for worse, right? Like, I feel like, and I and I learned this after the game against Rice, that we had everybody, I was the only one who defended Gavin Hardison, everybody who called in said that Calvin Brownhold should be the starter for this game. Uh, but to his second point about start getting Calvin ready for next year, you know, it's interesting, Steve, because we're celebrating Senior Day on Saturday, and one of the players who's being honored is Calvin Brownholtz. And he's a redshirt junior, by the way. Wow. 
So I guess that tells you that uh, Brown Holtz is probably in his, he's probably going to do you have his last season, right? That's more than usually when guys are honored on senior day, they don't come back and play again. We've seen that before, right? I mean, we've seen that our share of uh, things like that before. And who knows? Maybe he comes back, or may- maybe he just wants to get on with life. That was another thing that Dana Dimmel cited today during his press conference when asked about uh, the senior players. It's hard to gauge who's actually leaving, who's actually graduating, versus those who just want to get on with their life, like and start their career, you know, and and get ready to. Uh, you know, do, be an adult and, and get and finish up with football. So you wonder with some of those players right there who are going to be honored this weekend uh, for senior day. I don't think Dana Dimmel is going to suddenly replace Gavin Hardison with Calvin Brownholtz after Gavin has held down the job the last three years in a row while Calvin's been here the whole time. You don't do that. It's kind of like a loyalty thing right there, and I think that fans would disagree, and they would say, no, you play the better guy, you roll with the hot, the hot hand, you roll with Calvin Brownholds, who gave you a lot in that Rice game, but if you're trying to build a program and you're trying to show people what, what you're all about, how does how does UTEP go after a, a quarterback recruit knowing that they, they were going to bench Gavin Hardison in that case? That just doesn't sit right, you know? It, it's one of those things, if you're going to be loyal to a quarterback, you kind of want want to see it uh, completed from start to finish 100 percent, 100 percent. 49 passed as uh, sports talk continues 505 6009 all right ut rio grand valley is getting ready to start up a football program in division one and this is interesting they passed a student referendum to increase athletic fees from $15 per credit hour to $26.25 per credit hour. This is all, by the way, courtesy of Underdog Dynasty and our pal Jared Kalmus, who wrote the article. And what they are going to do is first get a head coach in the next six months. Two coordinators will will be after that. They will then hire the remaining football staff in the following fiscal year. And Matt Stepp of Dave Campbell's Texas Football reported that UTRGV is in the beginning stages of their coaching search. Now, they will start with $700,000 for football salaries, increase that to $1.5 million the following year as the staff expands to full operational capacity. This will put them in the uh, top of the FCS level. So that's going to be really interesting. And, you know, to put it in perspective, Stephen F. Austin's overall football coaching salary was $1.144 million last year, and they're already looking at one point five for UT Rio uh, Grand Valley. Listen, uh, here's what I think it is, Adrian. I think all these Texas schools have watched what UTSA has done, and they're all saying, we can do that. We can do that if they, if they play their cards right. Because it wasn't that long ago UTSA was doing this, and now look where they are. That's a great point. I also feel like with uh, the conferences being as volatile as they are, with Conference USA seemingly having an open-door policy to try to acquire as many uh, universities as they can with reason, quality uh, universities with an athletic budget, uh, UT Rio Grande Valley is going to position themselves in the future to be a a team who can maybe make that jump. And you watch James Madison put a lot of money in their uh, program. They made the jump from FCS to FBS – 
with a similar budget like that. And and look at what they're doing. They, they made a top 25 appearance in the AP Top 25 poll this year, and that just shows you what it is. Now, I'm, I'm just so curious as to stadium improvements or to things like wow. where are they going to play, that kind of stuff. And uh, I you told me 700000 for football salaries. Well, Dana Dimmel made 700000 when he first signed at UTEP, so it just kind of shows you uh, in comparison where UT Rio Grande Valley wants to start things off. Uh, so they're going to play at least one game in Brownsville at Memorial Stadium, but they want to play the majority of their home games at HEB Park in Edinburgh, which is the home for FC Toros of USL. Okay, Seats just under 10,000 people. It's four miles from the UTRGV Edinburgh campus. But listen to this. HEB Park, even though it seats just under 10,000, features 39 field-level luxury suites along with a shaded roof over chairback seating on both sides of the stadium. And if that's not enough, they've got 20 acres of festival grounds for tailgating, 2,500 capacity amphitheater providing pre- and post-game concerts. How about that? Wow. I like those facilities. It tells me that UT Rio Grande Valley needs to find 40 really rich donors who they could set up in those boxes and pay for their entire, you know, game day fees and all that kind of stuff. And and by the way, speaking of fees, Steve, and and that is all real interesting right there with the stadium. And speaking of fees, I think that's where this all starts, right? The fact that UT Rio Grande Valley agreed to take on that athletic, uh, the, uh, the athletic fees for students. UTEP currently does not have any terms, uh, any sort of athletic fees for their undergraduate students as it is right now. How is that possible? How do students get free tickets into a game and they don't even have to pay fees? It's a great question. Now, I will tell you this. UTEP students do have to spend a student service fees, which uh, funds things like intramurals, student government, cheerleaders, student publications, health services, uh, um, you know, other things like that. They do say intercollegiate athletics, but no specifics right there. Uh, that is not an athletic fee uh, from what I'm seeing right here. This is a clear athletic fee for that UT Rio Grande stu- Valley students are paying, unlike UTEP, where it's kind of like all the extra- extracurriculars. You know what's sad is that if UTEP proposed that each student hour was $25 in, in athletic fees, that would get shot down and fa- and people and the students would go ballistic if UTEP was ever to try to put that together. Right away. It would not pass whatsoever. In fact, I think I when I was at the Prospector at the first time, they did a story on this, and overwhelmingly, yep. they did like a, a big poll. Overwhelmingly, it was not uh, not favored by students whatsoever. I know it. I know it. All right, folks, two hours in the books. We got one to go. We're live at the Ale House, hanging with you. So uh, stay with us. So much more to talk about as we get ready for the Eagles and the Commanders out here at the Ale House, and uh, another big hour taking your phone calls and comments on six hundred. ESPN El Paso. Final hour underway. Welcome back, everybody. Along with Adrian Broadus, UTEP Zay, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Coming your way live, it's Border City El House, 1506 Lee Trevino. We're going to be giving away great prizes here at halftime of the Eagles-Commanders game. This place is already starting to fill up like I knew it would. In fact, um, it's going to be a lot of registration forms. A lot of registration forms, Adrian. Um, last time I was here, I think we had like a couple hundred. So this is going to be a lot of fun today. 
Wow, Steve, and, and a big one for uh, Philly as they're on another primetime game. Uh, last time wasn't the most exciting victory for them against the Texans, so maybe uh, they right the ship and they kind of yep. get everybody excited here against the Commanders. No doubt about it. Uh, I'm looking at some of the tweets coming in. They've been interesting ones. And, you know, Poncho tweeted last hour about Gavin Hardison with a follow-up tweet. Are you really building a program when your quarterback is average at best? You know, that's another really interesting story. I mean, if the Miners, um, you know, end up winning four or five games this year, they don't win six, there is no guarantee Gavin Hardison is your starting quarterback next year. You just don't know. Three years, seven wins last year, four or five this year. Adrian, no matter how you want to look at it, that's a step back. There is no way you can look at last year to this year and call it a uh, and, and say that they either were parallel or they took a step uh, step ahead. It's a step back. Yeah, I feel like there's arguments for both sides to this uh, subject right here. I think the argument for Hardison would argue that, hey, Hardison, somebody who next year, if he's back with this team, he could be a, uh, a starter for four straight years and maybe have a chance to lead UTEP to a bowl game in his senior year. I think the argument against Hardison would be We've seen the ceiling for Hardison. We've seen what he could do at his peak, and maybe, maybe uh, the excitement of bringing in a new quarterback, or at least bringing somebody in to challenge him, would be more enticing than just running it back and being uh, content with what you have at that position. I think there's arguments both ways, and I think it's a tough subject to to kind of di- you know dig into. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. But we don't know. We got two games left in the season. We don't even know who's going to start Saturday. And by the way. For, uh, for Dana Dimmel to give no update on Gavin Hardison and say that he's going to wait till game time, smart move. Now you got a game plan for two quarterbacks. And you're not, why show your cards when you know you have to win this game? You absolutely have to win it. You don't want to give away your cards and say, this guy's progressing well, he's going to play. Or you got you to keep it like that. Yep. Unfortunately, in sports, it's all about mystery, right? We see it at every level. We see it in pros. We see it in college. We see it in high school when teams are trying to decide what to do. Yeah, we saw it this weekend for Mario McKinney. We didn't know his status till uh, you know tip-off, really, and understanding that he was suited out with uh, UTEP basketball team. So you're right. We see it at all, all levels. Uh, I'm not surprised to hear Coach Dimmel a little quiet on uh, Hardison's status or his availability for this week, and I don't expect him to be open about it until kickoff on Saturday. I think that's exactly how he wants it. Uh, McIntyre, the head coach for Florida International, has definitely helped turn that program around from what it's been so uh you don't want to give that program any sort of advantage when they're coming to el paso exactly right augustine tweets the show my call was the greatest call ever i don't know about that but that's augustine for you by the way question is there going to be a world cup preview um i want there to be a world cup preview in fact adrian we have enough soccer guests on our in our rolodex we could definitely make it a world cup preview show we'd love to do that before the cup hits Oh, yeah, definitely. Hey, uh, Qatar's right around the corner. I'm, I'm yep. fired up for it. I, I don't know about all the TV times and stuff like that, but we'll make it work. We'll follow it, and we'll definitely uh, have a great preview coming up uh, for, for the kickoff, which is right around the corner, Steve. Was Augustine's call his greatest call ever? No, not, not at all. Come on. What? I think it was just uh, it was maybe greatest timing ever. The fact that Leon was literally saying the word Augustine, and I, I saw uh, him call into the program. That would be uh, great timing right there. I agree with you. Uh, this is from Jorge Reyes at 
DRMERJ16 tweets the show, I was a student when Tony Barbie left. That would be 2010 when Jorge's talking about. Administration tried to pass an athletic fee that would go to coaches' salaries to try and keep them here. It failed like 80-20 for a $60 fee. So, yes, I doubt anything like that would work now. How about that? Man, that's bad. I, I didn't realize that, I mean, that they've tried this over and over again, uh, and it's failed miserably several different times. But, I mean, it just goes back to what we just heard from UT Rio Grande. They had student fees from just $15 to now it's twenty six twenty five. That's all they're spending, $26.25 uh, on athletic fees. And uh, UTEP uh, students do not want to pay any sort of dollars when it comes to their athletics. Yep. Anyway. All right, good stuff as we begin our, our final hour of, of the show and want to get your thoughts on that. By the way, truth is this. You know, if you really want a great program and there's only so much you can do as a university, students have to, uh, you know, they have to kick in. And the truth is this. Students don't care. I mean, the majority of the UTEP students do not go to games unless it's the biggest games, like they did Saturday with NMSU. And the truth is, this student body, for whatever reason, has for years, and I mean years, we're talking 20, 30-plus years, always been disconnected with the athletic programs here in this school. They have. I think that uh, you'll get those blips of games where you'll have a great student section like this past weekend. I thought the student section was great in the Battle of I-10, but then for the majority of the season, there's not a, you know, a good student section at all. And no. that's, that's a sad thing for, for UTEP, just knowing that for some reason, whatever reason it is, it takes so much effort for them to get pl- uh, students to actually go to these games, and then when they don't uh, make that effort or they, they don't have that big of a push, then students don't don't show up at all and that's just i mean really it's on the students it's not on the athletic department it's on the students just not caring sad it's really sad and you know i mean we can we can blame the university all we want but the fact is if students were buying in more than they are uh it'd be a different situation it'd be a totally different situation so you know it was interesting too adrian because in austin when i was at ut you had to spend money on, like, the sports fees in order to get tickets to go into games. Like, with our student IDs at UT, this goes back now 30 years ago. I'm sure it's probably the same as it used to be. But in those days, you weren't allowed in to games for free unless you purchased the sports fee as a student at UT. That's what got you your free ticket. Gosh, that's that's just crazy to even think about. I mean, and, and now nowadays it's like, hey, yeah, uh, let me. I want to go to a UTEP game uh, 15 minutes before tip off. All right, let me log into my UTEP portal and then just get tickets that way for free if I'm a student. So it's so weird how how things are so different across different uh, universities like that. And I need to um, and I need to think about um, how much the University of Texas sports fee was then. I mean. I feel like it was a ton of money, but, oh, here we go. Listen to this. Listen to this, okay? If you're a UT student right now, okay, this will put it into perspective. To get access to all Texas Athletics home regular season events, that would mean 
Football, men's basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, baseball, softball, and Texas relays. 120 home regular season events. How much annually do you think you need to pay? Uh, first, let's go Zay. Zay, how much do you think if you're a UT student, you have to pay in order to get into games at Texas? Mm. A year. A year? Uh, I, how, much is the, uh, how much do you think the big ticket is? If you Let's say you're a freshman at Texas. Mm-hmm. You want to go watch the Longhorns. And as part of an, you know, student orientation, they tell you, well, you got to buy this big ticket sports pass to give you access to all Texas athletics uh, home regular season events. Okay, so, what do you think so that costs? Every single like athletic like every like, single okay. thing. Yep. I don't know. You're a student. Yeah, you're not, yeah, a, yeah. You're not a fan, you're a student. Mhm. Um $300? Okay, $300. Adrian. I'm guessing like 500 600. Okay. $200. Wow. That's $200. That's it. But think about this for a second, okay? The point is, it's not free. It is not free. So that's what I'm trying to get at. You know, you uh, you have to pay to get this uh, to get this sports pass. That's how it works. And uh, somebody said, and I got to see if this is true, but. Even when you have that big ticket and you have access, I think it still costs 10 bucks a game, even with that fee. Wow. Okay, so I was thinking to myself, how are they making money off the students for, for uh, football season? But that makes sense right there. Yep. Yep. So anyway. But the point is, Texas charges $200. UTEP charges nothing they can't even get fans to go to games as uh, students when they're free and when students are even asked to have to spend any money in student fees for sports, they balk at UTEP. They balk at it. But that's, that's part of the problem. It is part of the problem. When you give something to people forever and then you suddenly ask for money, you can't do it. That's why some people say that the biggest mistake is giving tickets away. Because when you give tickets away, then you want to start charging for tickets. People are going to be like, well, why should I pay? I've been getting them for free. I'm not going to pay for that. And that, and you put yourself in that, you box yourself in that hole. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like, you know, with this, uh, with all the student fees, with the, uh, when we're just talking about this subject right here, I think there's also something that we have to take into account with UTEP, and that is that it's a com- it's a commuter school, so everybody kind of mm-hmm. goes and does their own thing. They have a that's job true. at home. They kind of go to school, and they go home, and they don't have any kind of campus life. When you look at Texas, they have a great campus life. When you look at bigger schools like that, they, they're doing what it takes to get a bigger campus life right there. But going back to our first example with UTRGV that's a school that's just trying to get things started like they don't have a football team they don't have any of this stuff and they're instilling this with their students to try to get to that point where they can bring a lot of fans and establish a sort of a fan base right there 100% agree 100% agree on that all right so Zay you learned something today you learned that if you go to Texas 200 bucks gets you uh, access to all these games and I think if I'm not mistaken Football is the only one that actually charges. Although now that UT is in the Moody Center, they might have the, they, there might be a premium to go buy basketball tickets because it only seats ten thousand, and who knows how big the student section is. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. If I'm a UT student, I'm definitely 
spending $200 on that. I mean, come on. I mean, it's Texas. Who wouldn't want to go see Texas? You know, I think that's the difference between UTEP and bigger schools. These students really don't want to go see UTEP play Rice that much. It's not something that you're like, hey, you want to go to the UTEP Rice? You know, it's, it's that's that big difference there. Stevan just checked in and said the majority of UTEP students are focused on their studies. I know I was. At 7 a.m. on Saturdays, I was outside the library waiting for it to open. How about you, Adrian? Were you uh, waiting for the library to open at 7 a.m. on Saturday? I think the majority, when you use the majority, maybe you have to go the College of Engineering right there, the majority of the College of, of Health Sciences, the, the College of Liberal Arts where I graduated from at UTEP. I, I did more studying here at, in sports talk, Steve, and oh. instead of doing studying uh, for college. Come on. Eagles just kicked off against the Commanders, and Washington's got a long run well past the 40 to the 43, but a flag could go and bring this one back. We're underway here at the Ale House. We're with you for 45 more minutes. You want to get in. So many ways to do it. Phone lines, 505-6009. Twitter, at 600 ESPN El Paso. Chat on our mobile app. We'll get those notifications as well. The mobile app brought to you by First American Bank. We're with you until 7 as we go back to Charlie 1 and get this traffic update. We continue here on the show, and again, some pretty good topics to talk about, wondering if the crowds will um, will last. And I know there were some people that really were hoping that would be the case, but it's a tough spot right now. It's a really, really tough spot because um, you just don't know how many fans that went to the game on Saturday suddenly feel energized again to where they want to start going and watching more of this team. And the truth is, Adrian, and Zay for that matter, I do think that if people are familiar with, like, minor basketball from over the years, they're probably already going to the games. I mean, I I don't necessarily think that UTEP diehards are are suddenly in a mindset of, prove it to me. I feel like they're the ones that are already there. So UTEP now has to figure out a way to capitalize off of fans – that don't normally go or haven't been before and sell Joe Golding and his style of basketball to really a new fan base at this point. I, I like what you said there because most of the people who we're, we're trying to talk about are probably already there, right? Like they're the fans who are the diehards who are going to be there no matter what. And I think it's about getting the you know general community to buy into this program and be excited about college basketball. This is a college basketball town, and uh, I think they just really need to understand what they have in this coaching staff and this team just to be intrigued. I mean, I'm, I'm not guaranteeing wins or success yep. by any means, but just to be intrigued about what kind of brand of basketball they play. Aren't you fascinated to know exactly how many $91.50 season tickets they sold this year? Yes. Yeah, I'd be curious to know that for sure. And you know what else? Not just how many they sold, but I would like to know the percentage allotment as the as uh, the commanders have just scored. Gibson goes into the end zone to tie the game or potentially tie the game. It's now 7-6. But Antonio Gibson on a one-yard touchdown run off of a very impressive Washington drive to try and silence the crowd uh, in Philadelphia. It was good, but that's what I'd like to know. Number one, how many $91.50 tickets did they sell? And number two, what is the percentage of available $91.50 season tickets that were sold? Because maybe they sold a couple of hundred, but they allotted... 
let's say 500, and they sold 60% of those. That's kind of what I would like to know. Not just how many, but the percentage of how many were available to how many were sold. Yeah, yeah, me too. I know that um, my daddy tried to purchase some of those uh, 9150 uh, season tickets, and it was maybe a little over a week ago, and they said, it's over. They're not doing it anymore. So um, that, that's interesting to see how much... Um, how much were sold and the percentage of them? Well, we'll see. I don't know. It's it's interesting to, to see. Yep, I'm with you on that one. So you said that they were trying, but didn't, uh, but but couldn't get them at that point. They were already they wanted them, but they were. But your dad said they were already gone by then, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I need to ask them to see if they were already gone or if they just that promotion was done. I think they had already yep. like just sold the amount that that they had. To sell, I think they they sold out of those ninety one dollar tickets. I don't think well, that they just stopped it. I'll say this: if they had and they and they sold a hundred percent of those season tickets, that would be terrific for UTEP. If they if they got rid of all of the allotment, I just don't know, you know, based on the circumstances, how many they did end up selling. I am so curious when those numbers start to come out. Uh, really, really am. Meanwhile. Lost in the talk of all this UTEP men's basketball information is how the women yesterday went out and went to uh, Kansas City and beat Kansas City on the road from the Summit League, 68-59. So the Miners handled New Orleans, 83-55. Kevin Baker's team won on the road, 68-59 over Kansas City, a game in which UTEP trailed in the first quarter, then they led by six at the half, uh, ten after three, and ended up winning by nine. This is a good story for UTEP. You know what's even better, guys? The fact that the women had four players in double figures, Avery Krause with 12, um, Adel Tak with, uh, with 11, uh, Jay-Z on Jackson with 10, and Soli uh, Montrose with 10, and then... Um, they had Boyd finishing with eight and uh, Cabral with seven. A lot of balance here, and also like the men, a lot of newcomers on this lineup. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I keep up with women's basketball a lot, and um, something that uh, is worth noting for that game: they were out without um, starting forward Elena Arike. She she has played a lot for the Miners, so we got to see TCU transfer Adele Tack perform, and she performed very well. She had a double double. Um, it's also great to see Jay-Z on Jackson. She's really getting there. We got to see our first look at Oklahoma State transfer, Nia Boyd. She looked very smooth. So, uh, yeah, this team is very, very deep. It's filled with newcomers, but it's filled with people who are returning. Avi Krause has played 84 games for the Miners. She started 83 of them. So she's right. a big leader on this team, and it's, it's going to be fun to see how this team performs as the season goes on. I'm looking forward to it as well. Good job there. Appreciate you, Zay. We'll give the women some love, and we'll be hearing more from Kevin Baker, uh, not just uh, during his coaches' shows, but we'll be able to get Kevin on the program because I don't think they're having another coaches' show for the next two weeks. So we'll see if we can get Coach Baker on the program and talk a little Utah women's basketball with him. 21 in front of 7 o'clock. Final countdown coming up. We are live at the Ale House. 7-7 seven, seven our score. Under five minutes left to go. Eagles with the football at their own 22-yard line. We'll update it next. 600 ESPN El Paso.